right, what's up Traders Point family? How are we doing today? Good to see you. Good to be with you. Uh, those of you joining us in person at all of our campuses or if you are joining us at uh, TPO, Traders Point Online, wherever you may be watching around the world, we're really glad to have you. And uh, before we get started today, I'd like to pray uh, because the uh, presidential election is this week. And I just wanna pray uh, for all of our, our hearts and minds in all of that. I know that uh, we have uh, people all over our country and uh, even within our church that see things different um, politically. And, and that's okay because we know that uh, Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, he doesn't hitch his wagon to either political party. He's his own deal. And uh, government is important. And uh, I wanna encourage you to vote and be involved and research and pray, but please know that government is not our savior. Uh, Jesus is, and uh, we can be rest assured in all of that, that regardless of who is in office, our mission is unchanged. And yet I, I'm very well aware of the fact that the results of this election are gonna hit people differently. There's gonna be some that when they hear the results of it, that they might be fearful and some that might be relieved. There might be some that are gonna be angry and some that are gonna be celebrating. There's gonna be some that are grieving and some that are, are happy about it. I want you to know that regardless of how this thing goes, uh, you are welcome here and that this church is for you. This is home. And uh, we are gonna continue to keep our eyes <laughs> fixed upon Jesus. So let me pray. Father, we come to you right now. And uh, this has just been um, a marathon of a year. And we've got a presidential election that is coming up this week. And uh, we know that um, it is divisive and it's emotional. And uh, there's a lot of good reasons around all of that. But Father, today we just want to recenter our hearts and we want to uh, give up control to you. We want to surrender it to you. And we acknowledge that you are sovereign regardless of the results. And I pray as a church that we would have great empathy and compassion and that we would fight for unity uh, so that the world would know that the hope of the world is a man named Jesus, not the president of, of the United States. And so we thank you, we love you, we pray that uh, we could feel your spirit in this room in these next few moments together as we just wanna quiet our own hearts and open our ears to what it is that you have to say because there's a lot of noise right now and we acknowledge that you're speaking and you wanna speak. So we wanna listen. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing on in uh, this uh, series uh, in the Gospel of Luke that we have been in now. Uh, we started it back in August, we took a break and then we're coming back to it. And um, Luke is one of the four Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are the first four books of the New Testament. They are a recording of the life and the ministry of Jesus so that we might know him better. And uh, each one of these individuals who writes out the Gospels, uh, they had a specific audience or group of people in mind. I went over this last week that Matthew wrote specifically for the Jewish people in mind. Uh, Mark writes for the Gentiles. John writes for anybody that's brand new to faith. But Luke writes for a friend. And I love that. Now we get to benefit from it. But Luke primarily had one individual in mind when he writes out both Luke, and then he also wrote Acts. And the guy's name is Theophilus. And Luke even tells us, he said, Theophilus, I've taken the time to put together a well-ordered account. In other words, I've been very thoughtful about it. I've done my research so that you might have confidence in what I've written about Jesus to help settle your spirit because it was very clear that Theophilus had an unsettled spirit. He had questions that he didn't have answers to. 
And we are in a year where we need our own hearts settled. But as we come to Luke chapter 6, it's, uh, Luke is kind of unpacking for us a message that Jesus preached that gets very, very practical. And now he wants to strengthen our spirits. And uh, today is November 1st. We've got two more months left of 2020. Anybody else happy about that? I am. And uh, we, need, we need strength to grind out the rest of this year. Because we can't, there's so, here's what 2020 taught me. There, uh, most of life I can't control. But, but I want to finish strong, right? I, I want to lean in. I, I want God to continue to be at work in and through me. And so uh, Luke chapter six is such a great, great content for that because Jesus gets to a part in his message where he gets really, really practical. Like what Jesus has to teach us here is relevant to our lives. And one, of, one observation that I've had over all the years that I've had in preaching and teaching is that the vast majority of people really want messages that are practical, right? You don't just want head knowledge. You want to know what you can do with it. And you want it relevant. Like you want it to connect to your life and your life circumstances. But there seems to be a line. I don't know where it is. When you cross from uh, 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 application and relevancy into just what I would call meddling. And it's kind of like, whoa, that's a little too close to home. And can I just kind of tell you uh, to, to buckle up? Because what Jesus has to say both today and next week is going to feel a little bit like that. Here's another way to say it. Jesus is going to get all up in your business. All right. I don't know if I said that right, but Jesus is. Tristan, did I say that right? All right. So, so okay, stop. And so Jesus is going to get real relevant and he's going to get real super practical in an area of our lives that's just super, super convicting. I don't know how many of you remember this television show from a few years ago called Tattoo Nightmares. Anybody remember that? And it was this television show where people got a, a tattoo that they later regretted and they wanted to, to get rid of it. And so they would actually go in, either try to have it removed or try to have it turned into something else. And here was a couple of my favorites of this tattoo right here. No regrets. <laughs> I just want to do a spell check before you get permanent ink put on your arm. This, this is another one, uh, plan ahead. And uh, so the premise of the show was that they, there were these people that would go in and they would have this tattoo that they maybe uh, got in a careless or perhaps an inebriated moment that they needed to change into something else or to remove. Now, I, I've never had a tattoo and I, I've never had to, therefore never had to have a tattoo removed, but I've had a few friends that have and they say that actually getting the tattoo removed is, is, is painful and it doesn't fully go away. Like there, there's still the effects of it. There's still a little bit of, a, of an imprint of the tattoo that's left on their skin. Now, now, here's what I want you to consider with me today is what if the words that we said to other people in a, in a thoughtless moment, in a careless moment, in an angry moment, what if those words got permanently tattooed onto their skin to where you could see them? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but, but what if? Like, what if everything that you said to another person got tattooed on them for, for the rest of their life, for everybody else to say, would that cause you to stop for a minute and to, to give some more thought to what you might say? Well, well, I would hope so. And all of us have had these moments in our lives where words have escaped our mouths that were thoughtless, impulsive, and careless. They were hurtful, hateful, and mean-spirited and they may not have gotten tattooed on somebody's skin, but I guarantee you it left a mark on their soul. 
I guarantee you it impacted their self-esteem and their spirit in some way. And I would imagine that you've had words spoken to you that impacted you that way. It impacted the way that you saw yourself. It impacted the way that you, uh, your self-image. Because see, words are really powerful. And that's why the Bible uh, says things like this. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, it says, the words of the, of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And there's gonna be moments where we will say things that maybe, maybe we didn't even fully mean in the moment. We just said it out of passion. We said it out of frustration. And we didn't intend for it to have the kind of effect that it had on, on others. And then there's going to be other times when we meant every word of it. We knew full well the impact of our words and the lives of other people, but we said it anyway. And here's the thing is that once we let those words fly, then we can never get them back. We can tell the person that we're sorry. We can say we didn't mean it. We can ask for a do-over, but like a bad tattoo, those words aren't going to go away. Did you know that the uh, average person... Uh, speaks 16,000 words a day and uh, something like 525,600,000 words over the course of our lifetime. Uh, some of us more than others, all right, give or take a few million. But you know that um, that's the equivalent of writing a 60-page book every single day with the words that we say. Now, uh, I bet that if you were to write a 60-page book, you would probably take the time to be very thoughtful about it. You would edit it, you would spell check it, you would make sure that the sentences were complete, you would make sure that it was very thoughtful. But we are talking every day, the words that are coming out of our mouth is enough to fill a 60-page book, but, but uh, maybe we don't even remember what we said yesterday. And with that many words being spoken, there's bound to be a few slip-ups. You ever said something so mean-spirited and cruel that it even surprised you as soon as it escaped your lips? And immediately you, you caught yourself and you're like, no, wait a second, I didn't mean that. I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't know where that came from. And, and yet one of the hardest lessons when it comes to the words that we speak is that we can't get them back once they're out there. It's sort of like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. Have you ever tried to do that? No, you don't because you can't. It's messy. You just like, you just clean it up afterwards. And, and I, I, I've said some things in my life. I know that many of you can re relate to me. I've said some things in my life to the people that I know and love that I immediately regretted and that I was embarrassed by. Um, a big part of what I do is talking from this platform. And there have been things that I've said from this stage that I've regretted. You know, um, oftentimes as I prepare a message uh, it's one thing to just study and to prepare the content, but it's another thing to deliver it. And so every weekend, right before I, I get up on this stage to deliver it, I, I pray and there are several things I, I, I ask God for before I, I come up here. I, every now and then I have somebody ask me, you know, are, you, are you still nervous to get up here? I'm nervous every time. And uh, she's like, well, you don't seem nervous because I'm faking it, all right? I'm, I'm nervous and I, because I, I know it's at stake and I will pray several things back in the, in the green room. I, I will pray that, that God would help my words to be clear because I don't want to muddy the waters for anybody. I, I pray that my words would actually um, give somebody hope because I know that there's a lot of people looking for hope. I pray that my words would be accurate because I want to accurately represent what God is saying from his word. I don't want to impose my opinions into his word. I want to unpack it clearly and accurately. I even pray, I know this is maybe going to sound a little bit unusual. I pray that God would make me funny. 
And I know that he doesn't answer that prayer very often, but, <laughs> but the reason why I pray that God would make me funny is because I know that humor actually uh, relaxes us. It opens us up to maybe some deeper truths that we need to hear. But I also pray that God would um, help my words to not be destructive, even unintentionally, because it's happened. There, there have been moments uh, over the last decade or more where I've maybe tr attempted to use some humor and it actually hurt people or they emailed me later to say, hey, you, you said this and it came across this way. And I know that there are literally thousands of ears listening to my words right now. And so it's, it's sort of like a minefield that I'm walking through. And, and, and uh, actually, I, I try not to be super tied to my notes, which means that oftentimes I talk faster than I think. And that's scary. And I'm always just like, God, please help my words to be constructive, not destructive, which means that I have to go deeper than just watching my tongue. Because whatever I say actually comes from, from a deeper place. And this is what Jesus is getting at and what he says in our passage today, Luke chapter 6, 43 to 45. It's only three verses long, but he packs a ton in here. And he simply says this, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Now here it is. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So our heart is the source of our words and what you say will reveal your heart every single time. Now, I don't know about you, but it frustrates me that something so small can have so much influence and so much impact on my life and my relationships. Did you know that your tongue only weighs about 70 grams? 70% of it is made of water. 20% of it, uh, you like that? I thought, about, I thought about actually blowing up my actual tongue, but it's too disgusting. All right, so I figure this is a good substitute. Uh, 70% made of water, 20% uh, is uh, made of muscle, 10% is fat. It's a weird collection of muscles because of this. Have you ever noticed your tongue really never gets tired or sore? You ever notice that? Like I will talk for several hours today, um, but I didn't have to warm up my tongue. I had to warm up my throat, but I didn't have to warm up my tongue. I, I wasn't in the green room doing tongue stretches like I... That's a weird image. Like before I go to, for a run, I'll stretch out my hammies, but I've never had to stretch out my tongue. I've never pulled my tongue, right? Like I've never had to like put some sort of like ointment on my tongue because the muscle got sore and yet I'll wag that thing all day long. And I know from experience that I know I need to pay more attention to this small little muscle in my body than any other muscle because even though it's small, it's the most powerful. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, has a lot to say about our tongues in his letter in the New Testament. And he says this in verse 8 of chapter 1. He says, no one can tame the tongue. Nobody. You're like, well, I think I can. You can't. Nobody can um, fully tame what comes out of your mouth. You have to go deeper than that. And so we see in, in Genesis that God uh, brings life. He creates through words. That God's words bring life. That God's words bring hope. And then we have an enemy, Satan, whose words bring death. 
and destruction and fear and division every time. Therefore, one of the most defining characteristics of someone that is fully given their heart to Jesus and fully following after Jesus, as imperfect as we all do it, is that it will change our words. It will change our speech. Now, we're never going to get it 100% right because we're all still sinners. We're all still imperfect. But our words more and more will bring life and light rather than darkness and death. And so James is challenging us to go deeper. Jesus is challenging us to go deeper. He says, listen, you want to you control your tongue? Then you've got to submit your heart. You got to check that to see what's really going on. See, many of us, what happens maybe on the day of our conversion, the day that we gave our life to Christ, is that we gave our heads to Jesus. We had some questions, we got some answers, we reasoned it through, and then we came and we, we maybe prayed a prayer, we got baptized. But what Jesus is really after, you may start with your head, but what he's really after is your heart, the core of who you are. And so how do you know if you've fully given Jesus your heart? Like, how do you know that? And Jesus actually says two big things in all of his teaching in the New Testament that are indicators of whether or not he has our full hearts or not. And the first thing that Jesus will say, and this is not what this message is about, this, but this is what Jesus taught, is our checkbooks, our finances, will reveal where your heart is every time. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He says, your heart always follows your treasure. So the reason why Jesus talks about money so much is because he knows our hearts follow it. That you send your treasure to where you want your heart to be and your heart will follow it. It's never in reverse. But you know the second indicator of your heart? It's your tongue. It's your speech. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand that because our salvation is not dependent upon the words that we speak, thankfully. Otherwise, we'd all be in trouble. However, we shouldn't use our imperfection as an excuse to just say whatever we want. In other words, I'm saved by grace, Therefore, I can just kind of give that person an earful. No, what Jesus is saying here is that the condition of our heart is often revealed by the content and tone of our speech. That's why he uses the analogy of a fruit tree. He says a healthy fruit tree is going to produce healthy fruit, but an unhealthy tree is going to produce unhealthy fruit. It all springs up from the condition of our hearts. And going back to, to James Whenever James writes everything that he says about our speech, he was one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church. And James' letter is one of the most practical in the the New Testament, I think because he was dealing with so many problems. The church that James was writing to was just a hot mess. I mean, people were hiding behind giving lip service to their faith. They were refusing to live it out. They were refusing to have faith that would change anything about the way that they were living. They refuse to care for orphans and widows around them, which leads him to say things like, faith without works is dead. Yeah, you're saved by faith, not your actions, but your actions will always reveal your faith every time. Well, he says something very similar in verse 26. He says, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. And so 
if by our speech, regardless of what we believe, regardless if we call ourselves a Christian or not, but if by our speech, our words are divisive, fearful, angry, cutting, degrading, and abusive. It should cause us to stop for a minute and ask where our hearts really are. Can I say, especially with election week coming up, it's, this also includes the keyboard. This also includes the comments that we make, the statements that we make, the, 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 the reposts. As Christ followers, we have to be so careful that our word, it doesn't mean that our opinions aren't valid. It doesn't mean that we don't have perspectives that we don't need to share. It simply means but the tone and the direction of our words. Are they bringing life? Are they bringing hope? James says, you're only fooling yourself. You're only going through a religious motions if you don't watch your tongue. And so the question is, who is really in control of my heart? Is it my fear or is it the spirit of God? Is it my anger or is it the spirit of God? Is it my low self-esteem or is it the spirit of God? And we can answer that however we want, but our words will reveal where our heart is every single time and the stakes are pretty high. And the two places that the Bible speaks to our speech the most is the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And the second place are the words of Jesus. Jesus addresses our speech more than, than anywhere else in the scriptures. It matters to him, which is why some of the most difficult, unsettling things that he ever taught had to do with our tongues. And what he is doing is he is encouraging you and me today, not to just keep a tighter rein on our tongue or try to watch what we say, but to take the lid off of our heart and take a look inside because our words are shaped there. Our words spill out of our hearts. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, those words that surprised you when you said them, they, they really shouldn't have because they've been marinating in your heart for a while. Th those words that you said that actually, uh, it sort of took you by surprise. It's like seed. It's been in the soil of your heart for a while and it, it, it finally took root and, it, and it, it blossomed above the surface because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I mean, we really got to pay attention to our inputs. What is it that we're taking in with our eyes and our ears? What is it that we're filling our head with? Because all of that, it, it sort of germinates in our hearts. And then whatever fruit we're producing reveals it. When I was in college, um, I took a, a preaching course. Um, preaching in college is called homiletics. And it's basically just a whole class on, on how to put together sermons and deliver them in effective ways. And part of that is just practical experience. And so two or three times each semester, uh, every one of us in class would have to put together a message and then we would have to preach it in front of the class with the camera in the back. And then uh, afterwards the class would critique us and then we would go back and we would watch the uh, film of it. It was just a brutal experience. Um, but I'll never forget uh, one afternoon, uh, there was uh, one of the students in class he got up to preach his message and he's a real fiery guy. He was like full of passion. And uh, at one point in the message, he slipped and said a foul word, which will, I don't know, sort of ruin the message. And uh, you kind of see like he, he said it, like didn't mean to say it, it sort of spilled out and, and it kind of surprised him and everybody was kind of shocked in the room. And then he just kind of like tried to recover from it. He just kind of went on and then he finished. And then afterwards he kind of, dropped his head and went over and took a seat. And then it was time for us to critique. 
And we made several observations about his introduction and his transitions and his main point. And then at one point, one of the guys raised his hand and he goes, hey, bro. He goes, did you mean to cuss? <laughs> and I will never forget the professor was sitting in the back of the room. He was, had his head down. He was making notes. And with his loud, booming voice, he simply said this. If you'd get it out of your heart, it'll stay out of your mouth. And I don't remember the message that day. I don't remember any of the sermons preached that semester, but I do remember the professor saying that and it stayed with me. Don't just try to tame or control your tongue. If you get it out of your heart, it'll stay out of your mouth. In fact, let's work that in reverse. What do you want to come out of your mouth? Then start putting that in your heart. This is why reading God's word is so important. And if you're not signed up for our daily Bible reading, I just want to encourage you to. You can do that on the website or on our app. And we'll just email you a daily Bible reading. It just takes a, a few minutes to just read God's word. And it's not just about uh, knowing all the content of the Bible, although that, that's helpful. It's not just uh, being aware of what uh, the Bible has to say, although that's helpful. It's giving God an opportunity to speak into your life. It's the question of, we're all being discipled by something. We just have to ask what? And I'm afraid that right now in the day and age in which we live, we are being discipled more by social media than we are God's word. That we're actually, appreciate the golf clap. Uh, some of us are being discipled more by CNN or Fox News than we are God's word. Some of us are being discipled more by coffee conversations or music or entertainment. It's not that any of those things are bad in and of themselves, but then something comes out of your mouth. You're like, I don't really know where that came from. Well, it's been in your heart for a while. Have you ever noticed that, um, at least this is true for me, when I watch a movie, I'm really impacted by the actors and actresses, especially the good ones. You know, the ones that are real distinct in the way they say things, like the Sylvester Stallones, and the Denzel Washingtons and the Meryl Streeps. And when I get done watching a movie, I don't know, like for, for the next half hour, I'll talk like them. It's really weird. And I was like, yeah, it was, uh. that's my Sylvester Stallone. That's about as good as it gets. Why am I doing that? Well, because I'm parroting them. I'm mimicking them. We do the same thing with the inputs and the content that comes into our minds in our hearts, which is why Proverbs says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And what we take in and think about, Jesus says, are like seeds and they will eventually produce fruit. And so in an unguarded moment, when maybe words surface that are, that are crass or cutting or crushing, and we say, well, I'm not sure where that came from. The spirit of God very gently, but very directly says, I know where it came from. This has been in your heart for a while. You see, we understand the metaphor, I think inherently about our heart, but in Hebrew culture, the heart was the metaphor for the center or the core of the person, the spiritual and the emotional hub that all other spokes of life kind of came out from and are connected to. And so Jesus says, above all else, man, guard that. And just like you wouldn't want to contaminate the primary water source for a city, don't contaminate your heart by the things that you put into it. And so you guard your heart by being proactive. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
In Psalm chapter 141, verse 3, it says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. And this verse shows us that when it comes to our words, there's going to be moments when we need to be proactive and intentional, meaning that sometimes the things that go unsaid are just as harmful as the things that are said. And isn't that true? Maybe for you, the words that have hurt the most are the words that you long to hear, but they never came. Maybe words from your father that just simply said, I'm proud of you and I'll always be here for you no matter what. But for whatever reason, your dad could never bring himself to say that to you and he still can't. And it hurts. Maybe you just really wanted to hear your mother say, sweetheart, I love you no matter what. You are beautiful and precious. You're a treasure, but your mom could never say it to you. Could maybe because her mom couldn't say it to her. Or maybe right now you're in a relationship, maybe married, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend and, and words that are spoken are careless and hurtful and cutting and degrading and it hurts. Maybe you just long to hear somebody say, maybe a coach, a teacher, an authority figure of some kind, hey, I'm with you, I'm cheering you on, you've got what it takes, but nobody's in your corner saying the words that you so desperately need. And the opposite is true as well especially right now at the end of just this year where everybody is emotionally exhausted, spiritually beat down. We need more than ever to be speaking words of life into each other now more than ever. And I know there's a, a lot of fear and I know there's a lot of uncertainty but we don't serve a God of fear. The same God who told us 365 times in scripture to fear not is the same God who still says that today. The same God who said, I, 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 know I'm, I am in control of yesterday, today, and tomorrow is still in control of all the uncertainty that we see. And now more than ever, we need to not be speaking words of fear and hopelessness, but words of confidence and strength because we serve a God who still rules with his feet up regardless of a pandemic, regardless of an election. And right now we just need to resubmit our hearts to him and we need to pay attention to what is being said. And when the spirit of God prompts you to say something to, to bring life, say it. I'm sure that you've, this is all review. You've seen this before. There's three simple questions for all of us to consider before we say something. You've seen this, right? The first is just, is it true? Like, hey, don't, don't say something if it's not true. Like that's just, we, we, we all probably should have learned that as kids, but um, make sure it's true. But just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it, right? I thought I'd maybe get a couple of amens there because you need to go to the next question, which is simply, is it helpful? So is, is what, now it might be true, but maybe it's not helpful. So maybe I need to, to, to watch that. But then there's, there's a third question and it's, is it kind? And so when the answer to, to all three of those is yes, then, hey, then by all means, go ahead and say it. And I think for all of us, we just need to slow up. We just need to be a little bit more thoughtful about the words that are coming out of our, our, our mouths. But more than that, at a deeper level, we need to resubmit our hearts to Jesus. So can we do this here at the end of, of a year is just as a church family, regardless of whether you're here physically or online, is that we would all just resubmit our hearts to Jesus and say, please take control of this so that you can control this. Because there's a lot at stake, maybe more than you might realize. You know, we all hear examples of maybe things where this has gone bad, but I think we need examples of where it's gone well. 
Uh, several months ago, um, there were um, a, a couple of ladies uh, of different ethnicities that both go to our church that uh, got into a little bit of an argument, a little bit of a debate uh, in the comment section of my social media. And it was kind of going back and forth. There was others contributing to it, but these two primarily were kind of going back and forth, not agreeing on things. And it was, it was getting sort of uh, tense. And one of them at one point said, uh, you know what, I, I don't know that this is helpful for us to be going back and forth like this. I don't think that we're convincing each other of anything. Um, but if you'd like to get together and have coffee and have a conversation about this, I'd be more than happy to do that. Just DM me. And I didn't hear anything else, uh, but about three weeks later, one of them reached out to me. She said, hey, I just wanted to follow up with you about the whole deal. And she said, I just wanted to tell you that she messaged me. We exchanged information. We got together for coffee, actually a couple of times. And she said she was able to hear me out and know my heart. And I was able to listen to her and hear her out and know her heart and ask her questions about the way she sees the world. And she asked me questions about the way I see the world. And she said, and we prayed together. And I think I gained a sister. Can I just say, Can I just say that's the way it should be done? You don't have to agree on everything in order to be brothers and sisters. That we really can be unified. We really can be civil. We don't have great examples of it right now in society, but it's possible. In fact, Jesus says, it's one of the marks of somebody who's fully given me their heart. So can I just say as somebody who's still in process, somebody who has not fully gotten this right, I'm right in the battle with you. Can we resubmit our hearts to Jesus so that he might produce the kind of fruit that we can be proud of? The kind of fruit that can bring light in a really dark world right now and hope in the midst of a lot of fear. And today, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, we would love to meet you in that conversation. And you can simply text the word Jesus to 87221. And our team will follow up with you and we'd love to answer any of your questions and walk with you and just whatever it is, the next step in your spiritual journey. In fact, that's always the challenge and the goal is that regardless of whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years or three days or not yet, that what you would do in our time together is you would just take the next step in front of you, whatever that is in your spiritual journey to grow closer to Jesus. And we'd love to help you with that. So what I wanna ask is that at all of our physical locations and even wherever you may be joining us uh, at home, even though I know this might be a little bit unorthodox, if you just stand to your feet so that way we could just ready our hearts to respond in worship. You know, the, the song that we sing at the end of the service is not just a way to try to end the service because we don't know how else to end it. It's a response. It's a response to what we've just heard from God's word. So now is not the time to duck out early. In fact, traffic's not bad anymore, so you don't have to, all right? Let's just stay in this moment, ask the spirit of God to work on this so we can work on this. Father, we come to you right now. I thank you that you are so willing to say tough things that we all need to hear. And I can't think of anything tougher than this to pay attention, to watch our speech, because right now we're just letting words fly so carelessly for all kinds of reasons, fear, anger, stress, worry. And we just wanna settle our hearts and ask you to come into our hearts. We wanna resubmit them to you right now 
so that our words would be a reflection of your spirit, not our fear. God, I pray for that individual right now that's really hurting, that individual that is so worried about the election this week, somebody that's just uh, fed up with the pandemic and all the talk about it, that right now your spirit would come uh, right into the space where they're standing, right into the living room, right into the backyard, right into the seat where they are, and that you would just begin to do a work within them from the inside out that only you can. God, I pray that as we lift up our voices in unity and as we sing to you, that we could be an example to the rest of the world of what it looks like to hold on to hope in the midst of fear, of what it looks like to look to you to be the source of our strength rather than other areas and pursuits of life. So God, you are our audience right now, an audience of one, not just in this moment, but the way that we live our lives and the words that we speak. So we pray that this would be a sweet, sweet aroma to you as we lift up our voices and sing. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said.